0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Data Unchained podcast. I'm your host, Molly Presley. Before we introduce today's guest, let me talk just a little bit about what this podcast is all about, especially for those of you who maybe have not listened before. The paradigm for data access has changed a lot over the last... Few years, even over the last few decades, of course, we've had the advent of the cloud, edge computing, sensor data. Then during COVID, the workforce started to move more remotely. And this is all happening simultaneously with data becoming a really valuable enterprise asset. In today's decentralized world, getting the data to those remote workers to distributed applications, moving it across cloud regions is really a challenge. And Data Unchained digs into both the challenges as well as the solutions and how to make your data an asset as a global resource. Today's guest fits firmly in the center of this conversation. Tim Tutt is the co-founder and CEO of Nightshift Development. Tim, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Molly. Glad to be here.
0: So, congratulations on founding a company. That's something a lot of us would love to aspire to do and don't have the courage. Um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about what caused you to, um, what problems were you looking to solve with Night Shift, and what kind of work do you guys do over there?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, when we started Night Shift, I actually I have a long career building large-scale search and discovery solutions, um, primarily in the federal government space. One of my prior jobs was to actually help uh, organizations kind of find the needles in the haystacks of their data. So I was kind of playing middleman between my end users and their data, where they would come to me, ask questions, I go run queries against a supercomputer, come back. Give them answers. Just wash, rinse, repeat cycle. What? really boiled down to was, you know, I, I felt like we were playing too much in the middle uh, as engineers, and we needed to give people better access to their data. So myself and my co-founder kind of took a big step back and said, well, we should build a solution to solve that problem. And that's really what we're doing. At the core of our uh, our offerings uh, is a core product called ClearQuery um, that's designed to make data analytics super simple for any user, no matter their technical skill level.
0: Okay, cool. So, How long has this company been around? Is it new? Have you been around for a bit?
1: We've been around for about six and a half years now. So, uh, coming up on the better side of a decade.
0: (laughs) Nice. Um, And how have things changed since the initial inception of how, what drove you to founding the company? And, you know, in my world, I think about, you know, there's been a massive surge in like data science and data engineering with the rise of companies like Databricks. Then there's been, Of course, can't talk about data without talking about AI today. Kev, how has the market been shifting over the last six years and maybe your offering as well?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So when we started, I think we were one of the very few players in town that had a product that was designed around this conversational analytics experience. Um, these days, especially with OpenAI um, and ChatGPT, you're starting to see a lot more of that across the board. Um, we do have some, you know, differentiators, and what it's kind of done is driven our product development cycle to, you know, run a bit faster, so we stay ahead of the curve. Um, we operate behind fire walls. You don't have to send your data to third-party APIs. And, you know, because we work a lot in government customer spaces and have government customers, you know, that privacy and security is a core crux of what we kind of focus on in terms of how people get access to their data. Handful of other features that we have to build to kind of, you know, stay competitive with uh, with our other competitors out there as well.
0: So you mentioned when we were chatting ahead of time that you're over in Tyson's corner. Um, Is government the key focus for your solution or is that just happenstance because of where you're located?
1: A little happenstance because of where we're located, but also, um, you know, a big driver because that's where we started and where we grew up. Um, We we started in the uh, started working in the intelligence community. We knew how to sell back into those spaces. So uh, that's where we started here.
0: Interesting. And I think that, you know, getting into government and having the appropriate security and technology and everything to do that is difficult. That's a kind of starting at the hardest corner case and then moving (laughs) broader is great and not say government is a corner case, but they definitely have very stringent requirements. So that speaks to at least the security of your product, which in any of these data initiatives is a huge deal for anyone getting started.
1: Absolutely. And it was definitely, you know, a, a very intentional decision on our part, um, because we did know, you know, how hard it was to operate in government. We knew that was an area that we could focus on to start.
0: So would would a secret organization, whoever that might be, a three-letter agency, um, leverage you all as their, um, like, their language-based models for AI, or can I talk a little bit more before we jump into the topics we actually said we were going to talk about, um, <laughs> about how people use you? Maybe give a, a, a example of a deployment without naming names.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and in, in a large part, a lot of our, our government customers are leveraging us for analyzing the mass amounts of data that they have. So, looking for things like, hey, what are, what's the pattern of life of an individual, or even looking a little bit more broadly at, hey, how are we using funds across operational resources, and how should we really be changing uh, how we're investing in the future on those types of things? Um, so, the use cases span pretty broadly. It really. Really boils down to the core data uh, that the, the customer has. You know, We've got everything from standard HR cases to understand attrition um, within an organization, um, all the way to your more operational use cases for finding out you know, where our forces should be moving across the board.
0: Okay. And in your earlier discussion, um, you mentioned that you help non-technical users get value from their data. What is the interface? What does that look like? Is it a conversational language model or is it something else?
1: Yeah. So the, the interface, it's a web-based interface. Um, one of the core um, features is that conversational analytics piece, which is a web application that allows you to ask a question in natural language. Um, you know, hey, how many times was uh, Putin mentioned in the last 30 days? Ask that question in natural language and you'll get back a visualization kind of showing you the answer to your question. That's really where we started, but we also have a number of other features. So it's, it's it's a combination of conversational um, analytics, but then we have automated insights, which will automatically push data to you based on things that are interesting um, across that data. We have a feature called relationship discovery that allows you to kind of see interesting connection between individuals, who's talking to who, how those uh, individuals are interacting. And then one of our big things that we really focus on is how you tell the stories with that data. Um, our insights canvas feature is really designed around around, hey, here's how you report out that information in a a very effective way. So you're not just dashboard, dashboard with lots of KPIs that no one really knows how to uh, dig through, but you have a a meaningful report that you can present to your end users at the end of the day.
0: Very cool. What is the model? Does um, the the product run in the cloud and you have to get data up into the cloud? Do you have a hybrid model? Can you talk a little bit about where you run and where the data sits?
1: absolutely so we've we've designed clear query from the start to run behind firewall um and also in any cloud so we can deploy uh in amazon in azure and google cloud or we can deploy on your own bare metal um the data will sit on you know in your in your firewall, in your ecosystem, wherever you want it. But we also have a SaaS model. So you can go and just upload your data um, into our cloud. We use Amazon as our uh, backend data store today. Um, but, you know, it really just depends on the use case for that customer. Again, because we had those government customers, being able to be flexible in our deployment model was excessively important from the start.
0: Can you dig a little bit more into the type of data you're working with? Um is it anything structured, unstructured? Is it videos and images? Can I talk a little bit more about the types of data you have the tools to analyze?
1: Sure. Yeah. So today the the short answer is it's structured and semi-structured data. And when I say semi-structured, we'll take, you know, unstructured text as a as a complement. So if you have, for instance, emails, you'll have the body of an email message plus the metadata around it to from and those types of things. But generally structured data is where we're going to operate best. On our future roadmap, we are looking at ways to analyze uh, more unstructured files, um, things like audio, video, and image analysis. That's going to require a lot more processing power. Uh, and what we really want to do is kind of keep this as simple as possible for the broadest set of users. So connecting to a standard SQL data store is going to be you know where um, we'll, we'll shine or connecting to your data sitting in Elasticsearch, which is usually our core uh, backend data store source. Um, so structured and semi-structured data is, you know, usually the, the short answer to that question, but longer term, we are looking at ways to ingest, um, unstructured content in a way that allows you to do structured analysis on it.
0: And can you work with multiple data sources or do you try to have it all sitting in one silo or database? However, you might describe it, depending on the customer environment.
1: Yep. So we, we do uh, use Elasticsearch as our core backend data store, but you can pull in data from multiple data sources. So we, we try to avoid the whole data warehouse concept. Usually you want to you know focus on a particular data source, but you also want to have these abilities to kind of search across everything. So one of the big problems that most organizations have, and it's definitely a problem in government spaces, data silos all over the place. Um, so we do have a feature built in called cross data set search that'll search across all of your different data sets so that you know where you need to look to find the things that matter to you.
0: Yeah, it's funny, um, and it's probably not appropriate, really, for this conversation. But in the guests that we've had on Data Unchained, there's been a lot of conversation with the data science, data engineering folks of Is ETL really the way of the future? Or is there a way to simplify and make things more streamlined? And is it ELT? Or is that not exist? It's interesting, (laughs) though, you know, like, there's a lot of acronyms out there. And um, the ways that we've solved this in the past, with a data scientist, extracting transforming loading or do you do data warehouses there's there's a lot of confusion out there so i think you know for the folks in this show especially i think it's largely senior management people think about their data strategies what's your perspective you know with your experience of um, how should the data architecture be set up to make it most efficient and to use your tools best
1: broadly having clean structured data is excessively important from the beginning. So, you know, the extract transform load is usually the model that we, we tend to operate on. Um, that's going to be, you're going to get the best value from clear query um, using that way. And I think you'll get the best value from most analytic tools that way. I mean, at the end of the day, the the short answer is you, you have garbage in, you're going to have garbage out. And that that's really what we want to avoid. Um, it's funny because that is one of the use cases that we tend to get from data engineers and data scientists is they get a new data set they'll use clear queries automated insights capability to try to identify hey here's where this data is dirty this thing is showing me that i have 110 states in this particular field but i know there are actually only 50 states oh you know we have upper lowercase versions of this maybe we just need to normalize that data a little bit more um so you know, we're trying to help evolve that process of getting clean data in over the long term here. And that's actually one of the things that we've got on our roadmap is, hey, how do we help with that process as data's coming into your uh, into your system?
0: Do you have a consulting practice on helping? Here's the types of things we recommend on. Um, it's far as cleaning your data, the hygiene before putting into night shift, kind of how do you, what's the consultative bit of your business, if any?
1: We always have some bit of consulting um, as we're, you know, operating Deploy Clear Query. In um, large part, it really boils down to helping people build the right data strategy so that they can get the most value out of their data. Um, so usually as we're deploying Clear Query, we're helping them to understand, here's what you need to do to make this the most valuable. Here's what you need to do to get the right answers so that you can make the best decisions with your data. Um, that usually comes with, you know, with Clear Query, we're helping you all Walking through and providing kind of a solutions architect to help over, look at your overall um, system and determine you know what makes the best sense and where do we fit in that picture to help you tell the whole story there. Um, so it's not not pure consulting, but it's uh, you know product based consulting. What
0: kind of best practices and how to ensure success once with the data in your in your platform.
1: That's right. And that and also, sense. the even before it's in the platform, here's how you ensure success along the way.
0: Perfect. And I think that ties nicely into talking a little bit about the data movement. I know you use connectors to like SQL connectors. Um, the data once it's placed within Nightshift, does it live there forever or... Is it a second copy that's living there that you delete afterwards? Kind of how? Where is the data living once your product is deployed?
1: Yeah. So once the product's deployed, the data is living inside of an Elasticsearch instance. And that doesn't necessarily reside with us. We don't always have access to things. And that, again, part of our overall deployment strategy, make this super easy for people to be able to deploy the most sensitive data they have, without having to worry about some third party having access to it, being okay. able to ask these questions without having to worry about sending your sensitive data to a third party. So, um, and in government, that becomes excessively important because you're talking air gapped environments. You know, mm-hmm. they can't send data out to begin with. Um, so, the data store um, is Elasticsearch at the end of the day, but that is deployed wherever the customer lives. So, if they're so deployed that's behind their firewall, Amazon
0: instances and. Their environment. Got it. Got it. That's correct. It makes perfect sense, especially with the more secure customers. But I think everyone's worried about data security today. So that makes a lot of sense.
1: Absolutely. I think you saw in the commercial space, you know, months ago when OpenAI first rolled out, several companies were uh, had issues of data leakages um, mm-hmm. where, you know, sensitive company information was, you know, being leaked out through um, ChatGPT and that became a big concern um, for individuals. So yeah, I think even in the commercial market space, it's a it's a major concern as well.
0: As you think about the analytics you can pull from your environment, I think all of us are starting to understand the power of generative AI and updating models and updating them with your own data sets. Is there an analog in Night Shift to um, how generative AI is working?
1: Yeah. So, you know, with conversational analytics for us, what we actually take the approach of is intent understanding, figuring out, you know, what it is that a user means when, when they ask a particular question, doing a little bit of entity extraction and building that query to kind of go and fish that data out of the data set and then figure out how to display that to a user. So that's kind of where we started and that's where we've kind of honed in our core focus. One of the things that we're investigating now is We don't want to leverage large language models because they're usually too resource intensive. They usually take, you know, total cost of ownership for a customer becomes, you know, pretty dramatic. And we definitely don't want to use um, external APIs because that provides limitations for who we can provide the same value to in general. So what we are looking at is, hey, are there smaller language models that we can use and embed inside of our capability for things like entity extraction, uh, language translation or even question answering in a focus set where, you know, I start with an initial analytical question, but maybe I want to get some extra value out of a small set of documents. Um, You know, I've got a document that um, describes, I don't know, maybe it's a... that describes you know the the weather patterns in a particular area um in, in Tysons corner virginia during um the winter months um and you know i can, i want to ask something like you know what's the lowest temperature in that time space but it's all formatted in a uh unstructured text document being able to extract the value from those types of questions in unstructured text as well so those are some of the things that we're doing for some r and d on internally today
0: and I like this kind of model where customers working with you and then there's new questions, new types of models they want to leverage, and you are continually updating that within your platform. Um, how do you decide which types of models to add, where to invest the next step? Is that really customer driven? Are you watching market trends and say, no, this is super interesting. Let's add this. How, how you know When your customers have invested in the technology, how do they know what the roadmap will be for the new insights they'll be able to gather?
1: Yeah, I'll say it's it's a little of all of the above, but it is primarily customer driven. Um, we are a bootstrap company, so we have no outside investors. So everything we do is very much so um, based on our current and existing customers and what their needs are in general. That said, as we're going out uh, to market, as we're looking at overall market trends, we also try to bring some of those innovative insights into, hey, here's something that you may not be thinking about, but we think can be valuable for you based on what we understand your use case to be.
0: Okay. Um, I, your comment earlier about the expense of running a large language model is an interesting one. And it's obvious, I guess, now that I think about it, but I hadn't thought about that before. Um, mm. so are you targeting smaller organizations or are you finding that even the really big ones, you know, the big, you know, three letter agencies just don't have that much budget. Like where is cost coming into play right now in the discussions you're having with folks?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, you tend to find it, we are targeting you know across the board, so you know, small and large organizations, um, and we have a pricing model that fits that. So you know, depending on the data volume you have, we can you know help and adjust based on those types of things. You're, you'll scale horizontally instead of you know scaling in a very exponential fashion, even for smaller data sets. Um, Cost really does play a big factor, especially when it comes to infrastructure. Um, so the infrastructure, For running any platforms, whether that is some core database or, you know, a large language model is significant. Uh, I think if you look at OpenAI, you know, part of the reason they had that $10 billion investment from Microsoft was to run all of the infrastructure they needed to collect and source all of the data that they had. There are definitely companies out there now that are building um, language models that you can run on smaller infrastructure, but it still requires GPUs which are still pretty cost intensive. Um, So even if you're running in a cloud infrastructure, that's going to uh, drive up your cost overall.
0: So Tim, I I found your comment earlier, speaking to the cost of large language models, insightful. Um, You know, I think a lot of us are thinking more about how to use them and not necessarily the cost of spinning everything up. Um, of course, a lot of folks try to budget right now for that. So give me a feel for, are you targeting smaller organizations who won't ever have access to large language models? Or is it the large organizations who don't have their arms around budget yet? How is cost playing into these decisions right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we kind of target uh, up and down that stream. So our, our our model is designed so that we can target the smaller organizations, but scale up to larger organizations as their, uh, as their data volume grows. Now, one of the biggest challenges with language models and deploying and running your own is the infrastructure required, uh, to do so. Um, you're usually needing GPUs, which are expensive on their own and the amount of processing power and number of servers that you need. It depends on the size of that language model that you're actually using. Then you add on to that how many users are going to be hitting that system, so you need to be able to support that. I think we all remember the uh, early days of OpenAI where it was crashing every other day when people were using a, a Chat GPT, and it was just because they did not have um, enough infrastructure for that. There are a lot of companies now that are building more purpose specific language models that you can run, but it's still going to cost more than a lot of organizations are willing or able to uh, pay right now. So I, I think that's going to be a, a bigger challenge, but we'll see over the next, you know, six to nine months, I imagine. a a more gradual shift towards smaller, more uh, purpose-built language models so that people can actually leverage those on their own environments.
0: So, Tim, I think that everything you've been talking about should be very interesting to a lot of the listeners here to this show. Um, How do people get started? Do you have a trial offering? Um, Kind of maybe just talk a little bit about onboarding a new customer and how to reach out to you guys to connect and learn more.
1: Absolutely. So the easiest way to find us is on clearquery.io. That's our uh, website. A couple of ways to uh, get started. We have a free SaaS tier. Um, so you can actually get started with a small data set, test it out, try it on your own there. Um, but you can also reach out to our, our team and there are plenty of buttons on the website for you to uh, get in touch with us so we can talk about specific use cases if you have something that's a little bit more sensitive it's behind firewall or you'd like a more customer tailored demo
0: great thank you so much for taking the time to share your experiences as well as the technology with us today i um, really appreciate you taking the time
1: hey thanks much for having me molly i appreciate it
0: thanks for listening to data unchained powered by hammerspace to learn more visit hammerspace.com if you have a guest you would like to hear on the show, email me at molly at